Welcome to the WIDA Connect podcast series, where we will explore all the hot topics affecting the equipment dealer industry. From industry news, government affairs, and manufacturer relations, to business best practices, technology, and marketing for equipment dealers, brought to you by the Western Equipment Dealers Association, here to advocate, elevate, and educate. And now, let's connect. Hi, this is Mike Kramer, Western Equipment Dealers Association. In this podcast with Association CEO John Schmeiser, we will continue our review of Section 2 of questions dealers need to ask before acquiring a new manufacturer. In our previous podcast, John explained the elements that make up dealer financial requirements and product stocking and performance standards. In this session, John will review two critical areas dealers need to consider. The first is terms of payment, and second, a manufacturer's parts return policy. John, you ready to roll? I sure am, Mike, and once again, thanks for having me. Okay, let's begin with terms of payment as it relates to whole goods. Yeah, so obviously what a dealer really needs to know is what's the manufacturer's pricing structure when it comes to the equipment that is expected to be ordered. Is there discounts based on volume? Is there discounts based on time of year when the equipment is ordered. It's a dealer price you know, based on the number of units that are ordered at a particular time in a you know, certain geographical area. Or what other considerations are there when it comes to the manufacturer's pricing structure on whole goods? This is so important because dealers really need to know, you know what they are paying. What is the true cost of the equipment that they are uh, buying from the manufacturer? Because that is going to make a big difference in the margins that they're going to be able to make uh, on the equipment, uh, you know, let alone the retail price that they would be offering to the customer. So related to whole goods, of course, you know, what a dealer wants to know is what's the manufacturer's relationship with floor planning on any piece of equipment. Uh, does the manufacturer operate on an accounts receivable basis or do they have the financing of their whole goods done through a third-party finance company or even their own captive finance company? Again, an important thing to consider because if it is going outside the manufacturer to a third-party finance company, obviously a credit rating is going to be developed for the dealer. The finance company is going to want to review the dealer's financial statements. So the dealer has to be willing to provide that information to a third-party finance company. Uh, One thing I haven't mentioned is a cash discount. Do manufacturers offer a cash discount based on volume or or time of year from the whole goods purchases. And then something that happens all the time that we need dealers to be aware of is the transfer of equipment from dealer to dealer. How is that transaction going to take place? What are the dealer's rights and the dealer's responsibility when there is a transfer of equipment between dealers? Uh, Mike, just recently, we're dealing with a situation where at the manufacturer's request, piece of equipment was transferred from dealer A to dealer B. However, 90 days later, dealer A still has this piece of equipment on their third-party financing company paper. So a dealer clearly needs to understand what their rights and responsibilities and the manufacturer's obligations are on a wide variety of things in whole goods. And I think we've covered off on the most important ones. 
Okay, and from whole goods, we move to term of payments for parts. Very important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and, and and a lot of similarities with whole goods. Let's start with you know what's the dealer discount on parts again. When you put in a stock order, dealers should clearly understand about you know what discounts are available on a large part stock order and what those thresholds are for any of the discounts. Some manufacturers have requirements in their contract for dictating about what a dealer can charge the retail customer. So, you know, we've seen contracts state that a dealer can only charge the suggested retail price. That brings a question of, you know, are you able to use part matrixing pricing system when selling the you know parts to the customer? So uh, something to consider, you know, for a lot of the business operations of their equipment dealers are looking at efficiencies and profit potential in all areas and parts is one of those. So if there are additional discounts available, you know, for annual or seasonal parts orders, what's the dealer discount? What discounts are available on stock orders versus emergency orders? Sometimes there's, there is none on emergency orders. What are the costs for placing an emergency order? It's very common for a manufacturer to put a fee on a machine down parts emergency order situation. What's the manufacturer's frequency for increases? on parts. Are they doing this annually? Is it every couple of years? Again, a very important question to ask at the time when considering a manufacturer's contract. You know, related to that, when was the last time that the manufacturer did have a price increase so a dealer can get a little bit of an understanding of what frequency the manufacturer looks at when they are looking at adjusting their parts for, you know, manufacturers that operate in, you know, in North America and have Dealers both in Canada and the United States. What's the, or the exchange rate uh, on the, on the parts if a dealer from the United States is ordering parts from a Canadian manufacturer and vice versa? And is there a business system that's required, you know, to handle the parts inventory? Is there any additional fees for submitting parts orders electronically, or even you know by phone or, or fax? Again, key questions to ask on parts when you're entering into a new relationship with a manufacturer. We're visiting with John Schmeiser, CEO, Western Equipment Dealers Association. And John, we've got the terms of payment out of the way. Dealers now need to be aware of a supplier's parts return policy. What should dealers consider when it comes to parts return? Yeah, it's a great segue. You know, the beginning of the relationship to perhaps the end of the relationship to talk about parts return. And this is one thing that we, you know, in our association offices, we deal with on a fairly regular basis with our members when they're looking at terminating a contract, what is the parts return policy? And it really starts with what's in that agreement. So earlier we said our preference is for dealers to have a written agreement instead of an oral agreement, and typically written agreements outline what the parts return policy is. But it's a very important question to ask right at the beginning of the relationship. And a lot of state and provincial laws come into play about what the repurchase provisions are on a parts return at the time of a contract termination or cancellation. But having said that, Mike, a lot of manufacturers also have an annual parts return policy where a dealer can examine their current parts inventory level from that particular manufacturer, and it may make sense to return some slow-moving or some stale parts 
that are in a dealer's inventory. So what a dealer really needs to know is what are the manufacturer provisions on an annual parts return? Is there a frequency? Like, is it once a year? Is it twice a year? Most importantly, is there any restocking charge for parts that are being returned? We have seen, you know, manufacturers charge a restocking charge. We understand that. Uh, we, we recognize that they do have a cost when they take parts back. Obsolete parts, are they returnable? Or is there any other parts or classifications, parts that are not returnable? Does a dealer have to return parts in the same quantity that they were ordered, i.e., perhaps a dealer would order a case of oil filters and there's 12 in the case. Can he return one or does he have to return a complete case? That's something that we've seen manufacturers change their policies you know, rather frequently on the bottom line is a dealer needs to know if there's any types of limitations on parts or percentage that they're going to be paid, and these conditions should be outlined in that dealer agreement or in the manufacturer's policy manual. And we've said this before, and it, but it bears repeating. Ideally, a dealer you know, should have his relationship with the manufacturer as transparent as possible so both parties know what their rights and their obligations are under in terms of the contract and their relationship. And John, we've mentioned in other podcasts, uh, most recently with uh, financial requirements, there's a category we, we refer to as other considerations. How does other considerations apply to parts return policy? What needs to be taken into account? Explain that, please. Well, the, the first thing that comes to mind is where are the parts coming from? So, you know, the dealer should know where the parts depot is located. We do have one jurisdiction in North America. Uh, that is the province of Saskatchewan in Canada, that requires each manufacturer operating in the province to have a parts depot located in that province. So it's it's unique. No other state or province has that. But from a dealer's perspective, when a customer is down, we need parts on an emergency basis. And we want them as quickly as possible. So a clear understanding of where the parts depot is and where the parts are going to be shipped from is an important thing to know at the time of starting this relationship. Related to that, how are these parts going to be shipped? Who's going to be bearing the cost for these parts that are being shipped? Typically, it is the dealer that bears the cost. Can parts be drop shipped from the manufacturer? Does somebody have to be present to receive a parts order and and sign for it? What's the lag time between a price change that's distributed to the network and when a dealer places their order for those parts? And like I mentioned a little bit earlier is what's the preferred way of a manufacturer taking a parts order from an equipment dealer? Is it through a computer business system, mail, phone, fax? Dealers should clearly understand that because what we have seen is additional fees charged to dealers for ordering parts if they are not ordered through the preferred system from the manufacturer. Okay, and John, you know what we've been talking about in the last several podcasts is all vital to members. It's something the association's board continues to review and evaluate. I want to mention there is a brochure on this topic. It's available on WIDA's website at westerneda.com. That's westerneda.com. John, on our next podcast, you'll be talking about service tools and personnel training and warranty policies. Are you looking forward to that? Absolutely. Perhaps one of the most frequent questions we get from our members is about warranty. 
So looking forward to having that discussion. And we'll look forward to having you join us for our next one, John. John Schmeiser, CEO Western Equipment Dealers Association. Thank you very much. And to everyone tuning in, thank you for your time. I'm Mike Kramer. This has been We to Connect. If you have a question, would like to suggest future topics, or just tell us what you think about the show, we'd love to hear from you. Visit us at westerneda.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to We to Connect on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Until next time.